0: Hi, I'm Jackie Tantillo, and this is Should Have Listened to My Mother. My guest has a love affair with food, and today he'll be sharing stories of his memories of cooking with his mother and how food conjures wonderful memories from his childhood. Robert Crutchfield says his mom had a wonderful influence on the food aspect of his life. Robert is the founder of crutchfieldcooks.com food blog, where you can find recipes and videos and articles and all kinds of things food-related. And in addition, he's the host and producer of Crutchfield Cooks, the podcast. So it's going to be a cooking episode and love and affection and things that we associate with food. Robert Crutchfield, thank you so much for joining me on Should Have Listened to My Mother. Oh, absolutely, Jackie. My mother, uh, who unfortunately
1: right now is my late mother, uh, but she left me with a great many memories. Uh, She's somebody that uh, I don't get to talk about often enough.
0: Yay, here we are. How did you refer to your mom growing up? Uh, Mom, usually. Okay. And you grew up in where? Where?
1: I grew up in a small city in the Houston area called Galena Park, which is right along the Houston Ship Channel. I fondly refer to it as the the dirty, stinky side of town. Oh my
0: god! But as a child, you didn't think of it that way, I'm sure, and nor did your parents, right? It's probably transitioned quite a bit. My
1: wife teases me and tells me I grew up in Leave It to Beaver land.
0: Oh, I bet that's probably beautiful. But do you have siblings?
1: Yes, I have one of each. Uh, One brother who uh, moved to Boston many years ago and a uh, sister who still lives in a different
0: community over there in the Ship Channel area. Okay. And where are you in the pecking order age-wise? Are you beginning? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Okay. You tell me, did you have a responsibility as the eldest son in the family?
1: Not always as much as you would think. Uh, there was a kind of an interesting uh transition period in there about the time I was in junior high where my parents would uh, pay a babysitter to watch us and the babysitters that we had were actually uh, older girls from uh, where I went to school uh, it wasn't until I became an adult myself that I thought about it and I was like well you know I didn't really need a babysitter at that age I went to school with my babysitters but at the same time, did I want to be responsible for
0: two other kids? Not really. Yeah, I don't think any kid does really. I mean, occasionally it makes them feel good, but it's okay. So, did you love your siblings, or did you guys fight? And and what kind of a role did your mom play in the whole dynamics in the home?
1: I don't know that. I think I would. I think we definitely were to the side of of loving each other rather than fighting and i think my mother had a lot to do with that my mother uh she didn't she didn't hold much for the the quarreling and the 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 hitting for little reason and and she was always more of a conciliator or a uh consensus finder uh She was very much somebody more that would uh, build a relationship, even if it was a relationship between two other people, than she was uh, somebody that would put up with relationships being torn apart for little or no reason.
0: Hmm. So would she say, okay, come over here, we're going to talk about this? Or were her actions something that you guys read and you kind of figured it out on your own?
1: She'd, more than anything, I think, as a matter of if it got too heated, she would just separate us. (laughs) Physically. Uh, uh, If it was, say, me and my sister, she'd make us go to our rooms. If it was me and my brother, she'd make us stay on our own side of our room.
0: Right. And yet, she was the authority figure, so it wasn't like, I'm not going to pay attention to you. You guys listen to me. Well, you have to
1: understand something about my mother. My mother was scary. In what way? Don't get don't get me wrong. I love my <laughs> mother, but my mother, my my if if my if my wife were feeling bad herself and wrestling, she'd tell you that my mother was scary. She, th- my mother, among other things, uh, in her former life, believe it or not, moms have lives before their moms. Yeah. Uh, she, among other things, was uh, the first thing she did. She was a clerical supervisor for J. Edgar Hoover during the Korean War. Wow. So any woman that goes toe to toe with J Edgar Hoover in the Hoover FBI days, kind of, uh, you already qualify as scary. Uh, later <laughs> in life, when I w- when I was older, uh, and she worked for the University of Houston system, which I'll get back to later, uh, there was a situation because the uh, the university actually owned the land under a Wendy's restaurant, and my mother, being my mother. Look, Dave Thomas straight in the eye and told him the chicken sandwich next door was better. Hmm. <laughs> uh, just a few things like that. Uh, needless to say, my mother was not something Dave you Thomas are of with.
0: Wendy's, right? Yes.
1: Right. <laughs> the, the, the Dave Thomas of Wendy's, the, the founder, the CEO.
0: Right. Oh, my goodness. So she mm-hmm. said what was on her mind. Yes. That's I'm just refreshing. saying. This is. This is This is not a woman that intimidates. (laughs) Yeah, so you didn't mess around when mom said something. No, 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 no. That's interesting. Actually, first I want to ask, because I forgot to ask this when we first, I got so engaged so quickly. What is your mom's first name?
1: Marilyn. Marilyn Louise. Interestingly enough, name-wise, her side of the family, her family, their nickname for her was Weez. So we would go up north to visit our cousins, and and, and everybody would be calling for Aunt Weez all the time. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's so great. As in Louise, but wheeze. Yes. Oh, that's sort of wonderful. a shortened
1: version, yeah.
0: And did she, your mom grew up, she was a Texan?
1: Uh, no, my mother grew up in uh, Missouri, in the north part of Missouri. A good part of the time she grew up, she grew up on a farm. When she got to be high school age, they actually moved to a small city in that area. Interestingly enough, my, uh, my grandfather was a chef. And uh, they moved around a lot. My grand, my father was actually born in Kansas, although he spent much of his younger life here in Texas and, and g- primarily grew up here. Uh, I used to give my parents a hard time about he was born in Kansas and she was born in Missouri. But it wasn't until they went to Washington, D.C. during the Korean War that they met. I'm like... You people never heard of Kansas City? It's halfway in between. Y'all did, y'all did not have to go halfway across the country to run into each other.
0: So what was your, do you know much of your mom's childhood? How did she go from Missouri, you know, to Washington, D.C.? Did she have a trajectory of her own? Well,
1: my mother, uh, like I said, she grew up on a farm, but she she knew even in, say, high school that she did not want to marry a farmer primarily because farmers tend to have dirt under their fingernails, and she could not stand that. Not that she didn't have the utmost respect from farmers. Uh, most of her family were farmers. Uh, coming out of high school, she, uh, her dad told her that she did not need to go to college because she was just going to get married anyway. So she worked sometimes multiple jobs and worked her way through the, uh, the business college, uh, Chillicothe Business College that they had there in town. When she graduated from billi- uh, uh, business college, or well, she didn't graduate. When she left business college, a local businessman who had some sort of connections with whoever got her a job as a uh, typist with the FBI in Washington, D.C., and then she worked her way up from there. Uh, so it was partly the uh, the country kid concept of get me the heck out of here and it was partly of uh, because of some of the jobs she had in high school and whatnot she had met some of the business people in town who partly because of the Korean War were able to give her a leg up and the proper recommendations that uh, that got her to DC
0: who was do you have any idea who her role models were like how did she figure out that she didn't have to marry a farmer and stay right where she was in missouri or you know anywhere in the midwest or uh, who she who inspired a, her do you know i don't know that she had any uh role models as
1: far as that i mean her dad even with the disagreement with uh the idea of going to college, of course, understand we're talking about the early fifties here. It was a different it was almost a different planet. Uh, my even my grandfather probably would have had a different attitude about it now, but it was it was what he knew. And she actually had a very good relationship with her, her father and some of her uncles, but they were all farmers. I, had, I think the the idea of something other than being a farmer's wife came as much from education as anything else Uh, not just what she learned there in school but uh, my mother among other things was an avid reader always desperately wanted to write Uh, that was something that uh, that was something of mine that she was actually jealous of because uh, I even knew her to say to I forget who one time that she was so jealous of me because she could barely write a grocery list and here there were people that would pay me to write.
0: Well, I'm sure if she put pen to paper with all that she had accomplished and, and her intelligence and her creativity, that she would most certainly be a great writer. I'm sure she had to do some writing with J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, she certainly gotta, had
1: enough raw material. That's for sure,
0: right? She could have written a book, her own biography. And let's just say we only have thirty minutes, and we 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 don't
1: have time for all the raw material my mother would have for wow
0: things like you, that. Don't you wish you were a fly on the wall? Sometimes spending time with your mom—that's hm, pretty cool. Once she got married and started a family, did she continue to work?
1: Uh, off and on. Uh, there was a there was a time uh, in the neighborhood where I grew up where she actually ran her own secretarial service, and uh, actually uh, was a service to the the doctors and lawyers and different business people there in our neighborhood where I grew up, which is completely different than it is now because, uh, like so many other places, now it's all corp- it's all chains and everything else back in those days that that area of town was all small mom and pop businesses uh, and and things like that when we were real small babies and toddler size and whatever she deliberately did not work by her own choice and spent times i don't even remember how many years being a stay at home mom and taking care of us putting us in the old school little red wagon and 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 hauling us down mm-hmm. the street to the park down toward the entrance of the sub our old subdivision and as we got bigger cooking with us and and, and that sort of thing. In fact, in that day, obviously she taught our sister how to cook. And uh, I remember my mother saying that my brother and I were gonna cook too because she would be hell bent if any son of hers starved
0: <laughs> because he didn't know how to turn the stove on. <laughs> Oh, I like her so much. <laughs> so your parents had the resources; she could stay home, and she understood the significance and the, the power and the benefits of being a stay-at-home mom.
1: It was a struggle. There were times where it almost didn't happen, uh, but it was it was enough to where they could they could scrape by, uh, even though some months it it, it was. They were fortunate in that uh, my father worked at the steel plant. And back in those days, at the steel plant, at, at the height th- scheme of things, the steel plant my dad worked at employed over 5,000 people. And there was a time in the scheme of things where my father could work overtime pretty much any time he had a mind to. He just told the boss, hey, I'm staying another shift, okay? Which I came to find out in adulthood is how I had some of the things that I wanted because my father and mother were a pair. My father, uh, he was the kind of guy, needs were not enough. If he had within his power, his children did not want for anything. Not that we were a rich family or, or anything like that, but we were comfortable to extremely comfortable. But if my dad could work an extra six, eight hours overtime because we wanted a bicycle, he would do it. Uh, he wouldn't really even think about it. It was the kind of thing where, well, my it's, Christmas is coming, and my kid wants a bicycle, and I can buy a bicycle if I work six eight hours, so I work six eight hours. Is
0: yeah, he's yeah. lucky that he had the good fortune to have that available to him.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and I think it's important too. I was just thinking, I know this is a show uh, specifically <laughs> about, about your mother, mothers, <laughs> but you can't. You can't understand my mother without at least somewhat discussing uh, my father. That's part of the reason my my wife teases me about growing up and leave it to Beaverland is my parents had one of those old school till death did they part type marriages. Mm -hmm. So my father was part of who my mother was as my mother and my mother was part of who my father was as my father. Uh, if that makes any sense to it anybody, it does.
0: And I loved you said they were a pair. They worked on it together,
1: right? Uh, I, I, I very truly, I very truly had not two parents, but one parent in two bodies, so to speak. <laughs> which uh, the way th- the way families work sometimes nowadays seems like a totally bizarre concept. But if if, if you grew up in that environment, it's a lot easier to understand.
0: The gratitude and love that I have for what my parents did with a big family. My admiration never ceases.
1: Oh, I tell people all the time that my, my mother and my father were some kind of scam artists because this 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 parenthood, <laughs> grandparenthood thing is not as easy as they made it look. <laughs> all
0: right. So we he- got to get back to talking about your mom and cooking because you, you know, it's interesting because Sometimes in life, we think we're on the right path, and then something happens that took us by surprise or put a kibosh on what we thought were our dreams, and then we actually find our true passion or the direction that we really were meant to go in, whether it's divine that's intervention or—and I know that's what I'm—I want you to talk I've, about I've reinvented
1: myself. I've lost track of how many times I've reinvented myself. I've done it so many times,
0: and that's a, a wonderful message to share. Um, and I want to talk about that because it has gotten exactly where you are today. Um, but I do want to talk about you cooking with your mom a little bit,
1: because like uh, well, you said,
0: we only have a half an hour.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to that story. Because my uh, grandmother, my mother's mother, was a uh, better-than-average farm cook when my mother was growing up on the farm. This so we already talked about the Korean War came about, and she moved to D.C., which is where she met my father. Well, my grandfather and my great-grandfather on my father's side were chefs. And my grandfather, unfortunately, died when I was about a year old, so I didn't have the opportunity to cook with him directly. But when my mother came down from D.C. with my father back here to the Houston area, uh, she would get off work before my father did. And my, my mother would spend time with my grandfather in uh, the different kitchens that he worked at, the different restaurants, hotels, etc., and had the opportunity to learn a lot of the skills that a professional would have from the time she spent with him. So when my mother was my first cooking instructor— It's important to understand that there was a distillation involved where her knowledge came not only from her mother, but from my grandfather on my father's side, who of course learned at least some things from his father, who worked on the old uh, Fred Harvey system along the railroad. So when she taught me, there was all this cooking background that got funneled down through the generations, at least a little bit on both sides, So there was was a a lot behind that.
0: But that's what makes it so fascinating. And and we wonder why food is important to most of us, that if we are able to sit down and have those meals as a family, it's the richness not only in the ingredients and the time it took to prepare it, but it's the generational um, ideas and conversations that have happened along the way that have allowed you to put this presentation on the table.
1: Oh, sure. And 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 that was part of the funny part as far as uh, when I started trying to raise up my own skills to a level where I could teach and talk about cooking and talk about food and all that kind of stuff is I would have people show me things. And by people, I mean professionals in different aspects of the industry. And they would show me things and like, I grew up watching my mother do that. That's no big t- <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to show me something good. You know, one of my favorite stories, uh, one of the things that helped me in my progression was I spent 14 months as a uh, meat clerk working with meat cutters and, and all that kind of stuff. And I was asking a, a meat cutter one time uh, the difference between carne asada and carne picada, which is very something you run into this close to Mexico and uh he took the meat that he was cutting apart and he cut a piece of a particular size he said okay this is carne asada and then he cut the took the piece the carne asada piece and cut it into littler pieces and said okay that's carne piccata Mm. i'm like so you're telling me you're telling me it's the (laughs) difference between chopped and diced exactly he's like he's like pretty much i'm like Wow. Here I could cook Mexican, I didn't even know it. But it's interesting. I knew, I knew I could cook Tex-Mex, but Mexican's a different thing. But it's
0: also those little things like that that can be intimidating to people who aren't familiar with these subtleties, right? People was intimidating to me <laughs> it's in the beginning. intimidating to me.
1: <laughs> so till I realized how much I knew and then I took the how much I knew and started building onto that, and Dennis, like, all of a sudden, I'm an expert like these other people, and there's no more need to be intimidated anymore.
0: What were some of your mom's staples or favorite meals?
1: Uh, she would make a sm- She would take chief cuts of steak and put uh, onion soup on them, and put them in the oven and make a a smothered steak sort of thing. Her one Tex-Mex dish was uh, enchiladas, and she would make enchiladas. In this part of the country, there were a lot of things done with uh, thick cream gravy and uh, mashed potatoes and some things that I'm not supposed to eat at this stage of my life. That's good. There was there was a pretty fair variety because her uh, her go-to, well, she had two. Uh, when my grandfather, the chef, passed away for whatever reason, she inherited his cookbook. Uh, but even more than that, her uh, go-to standard was the. Old school three-ring binder Betty Crocker cookbook. Oh, I remember that one. And she started. She started with the the Betty Crocker cookbook and made some of her own adaptions and and things over the years. And there's when I learned to cook and whatnot, uh, and would get the Betty Crocker cookbook out. There would be all these notes to the side and 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 different things that she'd edit. Right, even even without <laughs> even without her necessarily standing beside me, there was this this written record that she helped teach me through.
0: A running commentary. So she was one to fiddle with recipes, right? She'd tweak them, as they say. Tweak recipes. Yes, okay. Very much. She
1: would she would tweak them and, and make them their her own her own. Which of course is part of uh where I learned about that process because that's what a that's what a chef or a professional cook does. They may start with a standardized res- recipe, but at some point they uh they personalize it and my mother was the the first person where I experienced uh, that aspect of it.
0: That's great. You're interpreting words on the page, Sure, sure. It's really nice. So we are, like you said, 30 minutes isn't enough time to talk about your mom and your upbringing and your experience. So now with what the time we have left, I want to make sure that we talk about all of your goings on because you are a busy guy. You've got your cooking blog and your podcast.
1: Well, let's go back to to the beginning. The, The first one that came about was the blog about three years ago. And the blog is where... I had the opportunity to, where now I have authored over 50 recipes, videos, and articles on cooking and food-related subjects, which was my first opportunity to teach to an extent, but at the same time, it was a massive uh, learning experience, uh, because when you're You have a responsibility, as you know, when you put things out in the public like that to make sure that uh, what you're saying is accurate and that there are at least other people, other sources out there that are saying basically the same thing you're saying. I remember I was putting a recipe together for my blog called uh, Cowboy Chowder. And uh, I went through the process of looking up Well, what is the technical definition of a chowder? And does that correlate with what I'm saying? I like the name, but I didn't want to put the recipe out there with
0: the name that I liked and have people say, that's not a chowder. Oh, well, you're, you're, but you're always going to be up against something like that.
1: Yeah, you are, but you still have a certain responsibility to to make sure you go at least so far.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Otherwise, people will, not consider you legitimate too and you loved your craft so it's very important
1: it's a credibility thing and it's also a thing of uh, a person should follow a certain person because they are educated in a certain area and they do have a passion for that area the blog was the first thing and the podcast is actually my primary vehicle at the moment i'm up to i think about a dozen uh, episodes and uh been able to talk to everybody from uh, Katie Day, a nutritionist and wellness coach in Denver, to a gentleman out in uh, Hawaii who founded Hawaii Food Tours, to chefs like Joe Gatto, who, besides being a personal chef to several of the Boston Red Sox and Boston Celtics players, did the From Scratch show on. Pluto TV and Roku, and he even has a radio version of the show on NPR, which begged one one of my questions to his. It's like, how do you teach people to cook on the radio?
0: Well, you've certainly mastered that with your podcast. My goodness. And then you have all the other information that you give out on your blog as well. And I really want to thank you for coming on today. Sure. There's so much to explore and cooking is an art. So, I, you know, I often get frustrated with myself because I don't have a miracle meal, you know, in, in 15 minutes every night on the table. But <laughs> it's a learning process, you know, and that's what I what I like about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Robert Crutchfield, for joining me on Should Have Listened to My Mother. Thank you, Jackie. My pleasure. And we'll be back next week with another episode. I can't wait.